Well, welcome to Rathman Bible Church. Glad you're here if you're visiting. Got the healing row up here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, well, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll look at the text. Father, what a privilege it is to be here today. What a beautiful day you've given us. What a great opportunity, Lord. We get to look into your word. We get to have you speak to us through the word today. Father, I need your help to preach this. I can't do it without you. Lord, I pray for just you taking your word from the written page and just changing the lives of the lives of your sheep, Father. What a privilege, Lord Jesus, to have been in First Thessalonians. And Lord, as we close it out today, I pray uh, all the things that have been taught and said through it, Lord, we would remember. Thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, we're picking up verse 23. We're going to finish out the book today. Then it's on to Psalms again. Back to Psalms 119. And that psalm will take about, oh, 17 years to, <laughs> to get through. But it's going to be a long one. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this, that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you Amen. The God of peace, that's who he is. That God of peace himself sanctify you, it says. He's, that means he, to be set apart for a holy purpose, as stated earlier uh, in this epistle, as God's will for them. Matter of fact, if we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's look at the first eight verses there says, finally then, brethren, we urge you and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to, and to please God. For you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness but to holiness. Therefore, who re therefore he who rejects this does not reject man but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So this is not new, this whole thing about sanctification. He's been speaking about this all through the scripture, or all through the epistle. And it's the God of peace who does this. Notice that it's done by God himself. He's the one who sanctifies. John 17, go back to the gospel of John, John 17, 17. By the way, who doesn't have a Bible in your hand? We want to put a Bible in your hand if you don't have one here. Uh, raise your hand and they'll get you a Bible. This is Rathram Bible Church, so we do use Bibles. 
It might be a rare thing in other places. I don't know. But Okay, John 17, 17. Therefore, let's all get there, especially me, since I'm the one reading it. Uh, let's see. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God sanctifies us by using his word. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, it'll tell us, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. This is a great verse. Jesus is our wisdom and he's our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And this morning as you're sitting here, just ponder that thought for a minute. That those things are, you're in Christ and he, are, he is those things for you. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. He is your redemption. He is uh, many more things than what's even listed here. But boy, we can boast in that. One of those things is there is sanctification. So 1 Peter chapter 1, also just to kind of whet our appetite here with this, 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a really powerful verse there. I that's one of those verses I would encourage you to study and just dig through. There's a lot said in that verse. But the point this morning is it's, it's the God the Father himself who sanctifies us. He's the one that has decided to do that in your life before the foundations of the world even. He's the one who sanctifies he is described here as even the God of peace. He's the God of peace. That's a title that only he holds. And we can, there's a lot of places in Scripture to talk about that. Romans 15, uh, in verse 33, we would read uh, that, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We would see in Romans 16, same, same book, verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We would go even into the epistles of Paul and when he's writing to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, he would say it like this. He says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. The great book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21, we would read, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a title that only he has. And Paul, writing to the Thessalonian believers, reminds them that now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. May he set you apart. May he be the one that makes you holy. How many know that you're being sanctified by the Lord? You have been sanctified and you are being sanctified. And we need a, and how, you know, 
how does that even take place? We, we, first of all, we need the cleansing blood of our, of our Savior in order to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or all sin. I mean, if we were, looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, I'm, that's not in your bulletin. I'm changing it right now, okay? It says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. It's all part of being washed by the blood of Jesus to start with. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, 1 John, which is great for telling us what it means to be a believer. And really, 1 John is the book for, written to believers so that you can read it and study it. And it's the book that will tell you if you're really a believer or not. 1 John Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We, we start looking at verses like this. First Peter chapter 1. I said, man, he's got so many verses this morning, but not really. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Look at... 1 Peter 1.17 and 18 here. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish, without spot. There, there was a tremendous cost that Jesus paid for in order to sanctify you, to make you his. And so, as we look at Colossians, another one here, this pops into my head here. Colossians, well, it did a little bit ago because they, they got it on the screen behind me, probably. Oh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And by him, to re oh, let me back up to 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So how, how did we get peace with God? When, when, when Paul is writing to them, the, the Thessalonian believers, he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That sanctification is not even possible unless you have peace with God. So how do I have peace with God? What gives me peace with God? The death of Christ. Faith in him. It's the blood of Jesus that secured that peace for me and you. And so he has reconciled us back to God. Romans chapter 5 tells us about that reconciliation in verses 8 through 10. And what does that say? It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified. And what is it that justified us before God? His blood. Justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What does the word justified mean? Pronounced innocent of all crime, all sin. This is what our Lord has done for us. He has the God of peace has through his son and the shedding of the blood of his son has given us a way to have peace with him. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ right now, you're no longer his enemy. You have peace with this God. Look at Romans 5.1 since we're right there. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you glad about that this morning? See, it's an it's a awful thing for the unbeliever to be stuck in a place where they don't know God. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior because they're not in a place where they have peace with him. And this isn't the kumbaya kind of stuff. You know, this isn't the, the peace that the world's looking for. This is peace from an angry God. A wrathful God who will execute his justice. And because you have believed upon his son, Jesus Christ, and put your faith in him, you're no longer his enemy. And he won't destroy you. Which is not, not what's going to happen to the unbeliever. But this is even that peace that surpasses all understanding that Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 would read. And it says, And the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I, to, the, to this day I don't even know why he would want to make peace with me. I wasn't looking to, to, for him to, I wasn't out, didn't wake up one day, say, you know what, I need peace with God today. He hunted me down and gave me peace. And I owe him my life. And this true peace, it comes from the God of peace, the God of peace himself. If we're not Christian, then we don't know that. We don't know about that peace, We, you know. It is, it is there for the taking if you want to put your faith in Christ. But in order to acquire God's peace, you must be willing to repent of your sin. You must be willing to confess that you're a sinner before him. Matter of fact, go to Acts 17, verse 30. This, uh, there is a requirement to receive that peace. It says in the book of Acts, as it says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to do what? Repent. If you want peace with God, it comes through repentance. And then faith. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to receive that peace. Then after there's repentance, you will acquire God's forgiveness through that blood. And John 19 would tell us that John 19 verses 30 through 34 which says and let me read it to you so when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and bowing his head he gave up his spirit therefore because it was uh, do I have the right passage here uh, no it was a good one but <laughs> It's not what I wanted that spoke. Anyway, let's move on. You get the idea. You get it. Okay, so he's the God, not just of peace, but he's the God of sanctification. And that word is derived from two Latin words, sanctus, which means holy, and fascio, which means to make. So when he sets us apart, what, if you look at those two words, what's he doing? He wants to make you holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So you think about this. Am I, think about in your own life. Is he, is he doing that in me? Do I feel like I'm being made holy? Am I being set apart? Now, what does he set you apart from? The things of the world? 
the way the world is, the way the world acts, the desires of the world. Listen, I hope as you're growing in the Lord, you're having a less desire for the world than you are for, and a more desire for the Lord. But if you're still stuck there in the world, it's not really happening. But it, it could happen in a slow pace. It could happen in a fast pace, our sanctification. But his desire is to make you holy. His desire is to make you like his son. So sanctification describes the process by which uh, he does that. Webster's, here's the definition out of Webster. It's the act of setting apart for a sacred purpose, an act of making holy. God has set you apart for his service. He has set you apart so you can know him. It defines separation to God. So look at me. You're God's. Not you are God's. You are his. You belong to him. He has purchased you. He has bought you. Now he is sanctifying you. He's got great plans for you. And to set apart to God is to be used by him and to be used for him. You no longer belong to the world. He, he has, at a great cost, bought you. And now he wants to, you to know him. He wants to use you. But notice what the Spirit of God says through Paul here. That the God of peace himself is the one who sanctifies you. Now look at the next word there. What? Completely. This is Paul's prayer for them. May the God of peace himself sanctify you or make you holy completely. May he set you apart completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now sanctification is also used in reference uh, to our spiritual development after we obey the gospel. So even before he's decided to set us apart, but we are still being sanctified by him. We are still being set apart. In our text this morning, if you look at verse 23 there again, take note that these Christians had already been sanctified because they're already believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, But Paul's desire for them is that they might be sanctified wholly or more fully. There's always something to be done in our Christian walk, isn't there? Okay, so I know this is the closing of the letter and sometimes, or the epistle even, but sometimes we'll read past the introductions and past the closings and not really think about what's being said because it's just, it's like Paul throws out these little thoughts here and there. But just think about this. As long as you're on this earth and you belong to the Lord, you're continually being made holy by the day. So our desires should change, shouldn't they? You know, think about that. I don't want the things I wanted as a young man. You know, think about the things you prayed for when you were younger. What are you praying for now? Not those things, yeah, well. Now I'm praying, Lord, I want to be like you. I turned 60. That was an eye-opener for some of you really old people. When I got there, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, I, I can relate now, okay? Now that I, for, if I have a good day and I can remember to talk to God. No, I'm just teasing. Okay, when I realized I was 60, I realized I'm not that far from talking to Jesus personally. 
right? That's a 50, uh, 40, I turned 40 and I took naps. Turned 50, that's okay. 50 is the new 30. 60, I'm saying, it's like Jesus is saying, see you soon. <laughs> Some of you are real close, okay? <laughs> but listen, what's really neat about this, right, now, I'm realizing I'm, he's making me more holy than I used to be. It's, it's on my mind more. It's, it's as I get older, and I'm not old, 60 is the new 30, right? My mind is still, I want to tell you, it's, it's still 20. It is. My body, no. But, but still 20. I can, my brain says, go ahead and do it, but my body's not cashing the check, okay? So, but, but I do find myself being a desire. There's a desire to be more holy. And that's not a desire. I, that's a desire he's putting in my, in my mind. I, it's, like, it's like, even come over here. Spend more time with me. I, I find just the draw of God getting deeper and deeper. I, maybe that's you. Maybe, and I hope that happens at a young age for you, you folks. It's not possible in our own strength and power to be sanctified without the work and the power of God in our life. It can't happen. He's got to be the one doing it. Matter of fact, go to Ephesians chapter 3. He, he is the one doing it in you. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit, in the inner man. This is Paul's prayer for the, the believers in Ephesus. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height or height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Look at that. It's by the power of God that these things can even happen in us. And there's a lot right there. Uh, look at what he's doing in us in that text. Well, yet we also have a role not only he, he's the one that does that, but we have a role in setting ourselves apart for God's use too. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it's not just that God does it, we're involved in it also. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, and what it was, what's said there, listen, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. And what accord has Christ with Belial, or another name for Satan? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Now, each one of us is a temple of God, and corporately, we're the, a big house of God. Okay? We each possess and hold the Spirit of God in us. When we get together... As the body of Christ, we see this temple of God 
is an amazing thing. He says, I will, and you were the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and separate, separate, says the Lord, or sanctify yourself. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. I have a responsibility to look at the world and say, I don't want that. I want you. I want to be with you. I, I want to be with my Lord. I want to spend time with him. I don't want to be influenced by the world. I want to be influenced by him. I want to be like him. And so uh, you and I have... That role, we, you know, Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen says, "Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from what? That's an act of sanctification to set yourself apart for God. Depart from iniquity." Why would I even want to do that? But in a, in, a, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor. Look at this. Sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. And he goes on to tell Timothy, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those with those who call on what? The Lord out of a pure heart. We're, look at where our fellowship should be with people that are already walking a sanctified life. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. He wants conduct to be becoming of a sanctified life. There are people watching you and me. So notice again what the Holy Spirit says through Paul. He says in our text this morning that the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now this is... It's not just in part, but in whole. And why does he do that? To preserve us what? Let me, let me go to the text. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. What's the next word? Blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be blameless before our God and Father. That's the reason for sanctification that's the reason for the work of the, the uh, that God's doing in your life so that he would present you blameless and that is without fault and by the way when does that happen you're already blameless but he when you accept Christ that you, there is no sin to be seen in you there is no condemnation in the believer Romans 8:1 okay but understand this he he sanctifies you so that you'll still have that testimony when you get to heaven. Blameless. Bible says, though, you are right now blameless and above reproach or without reproach as a believer. Look at Jude. Go back to Jude. Everybody knows where Jude's at. And no, not this Jude over here. But Jude 20, 
24. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Praise God for that. Did you know God is able to keep you from stumbling? And to present you faultless or blameless. Isn't that awesome? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. What's he able to do? Present you to himself as a blameless bride. Oh, what an awesome God you and I have. And we forget sometimes that he's done that and he's doing that in us. This is made possible only through Christ's death. Nothing else would make this possible. Go back to Colossians chapter 1. Saying, how can you find all this stuff in just the closing of the... Because it's all there. Colossians 1, starting in verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. That's talking about Jesus. All the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ. And by him to reconcile all things to himself... By, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Let's look what the blood of Jesus has done. And if you don't walk out of here just praising just because of this, then you're not getting it. He presents you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, when God looks at you right now, he's looking down on you, what does he see? Of course, he sees his son, and because he sees his son in you, he sees his spirit in you, that, that the Holy Spirit of promise in you, how does he see you? Does he see you as a sinner? No, he sees you holy. Why? Because he's the one that made you holy. He's the one that set you apart. That, this is how God sees you. Now, you're probably sitting there this morning going, you know, I don't feel good today. And I don't feel like a very strong believer. And I've, I feel worthless. I failed this week. Yeah, you did. And yeah, in, you know, we are, we are not worth redeeming. We're not. You are not a good person. And neither am I. But oh boy, when Jesus saved us, I am now in the eyes of the Father, holy. And I am blameless. And I am above reproach. And look at in his sight. That's who you are. That's your position as a believer in Christ. Now, look, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, he doesn't say, oh, if you now work this, you, you know, it's not a workspace salvation. He's simply making that statement as proof of whether you've been made holy or not. How do I know I've been made holy? How do I know I've been, I'm above reproach in his eyes? How do I know that I, I stand here blameless? Because I'll continue to walk with him. I don't give up on him. That's evidence that these things have happened in my life and in your life. So 
here's the thing. If you look at our text, he will do exactly what he said he's going to do. He says, he who calls you, verse 24, is faithful, and he will do it. What's he going to do? He's going to sanctify you. Philippians 1.6, everybody knows that, that passage, right? That, that's uh, where it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he started in you, he's going to finish. He's faithful. I was, you know, think about that for a minute. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will sanctify you. He will present you blameless to himself. But if I sat here and asked you, I said, I said, he is faithful. How is he faithful? Maybe you have a different thought in your head right now of how he's proven himself to be faithful. Let me ask for a few of those. How has he shown you faithful? Salvation? That stretch yourselves a little bit. Past just being saved. How has he been faithful to you? Provision? He provides for you. Safety? How else? Okay, your confidence about him. That's, that comes from the Spirit of God. How do you know that's even a real place? By faith. Yeah. And, and, and I like that answer because, you know, anybody here ever seen Jesus before? But he's there. By faith. I know he exists. By faith, heaven exists. By faith, I know that I am blameless before God. It takes faith. Look at it through faith. Now, you're going to walk out of here and go, you know what? That's a great words, but I don't believe it. And when you start walking in a defeated attitude as a Christian, then you're not believing what he says about you. How does he see you? Not how you see yourself. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your emotions. Don't trust your feelings. They'll lie to you. The word is truth. This is how God sees you. So when you have a bad day, a bad week, buck up and say, look, you know, Lord, your, your word does say this, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you that you're a faithful God, and you will do exactly what you said you will do. Now, after that, Paul, now look at the, how he closes this out. Brethren, pray for us. Now, this is something he asks often for other Christians to do. You can see it in the, when he writes to the, the church in Ephesus and, and Colossae. But here's something you and I should be doing on a constant basis. I want to get it in our spirit here that we don't talk about one another. We pray for one another. If you've got something to say to a brother... First, go to God in prayer about that person. Okay? That, if we're not on our knees for one another, the battle's going to get very difficult. We need to be about prayer. We need to be having our brothers and sisters on our lips, talking to God, exhorting, Lord, help me be an, an exhorter. Don't let me be a, 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 a divider. Lord, in the hour we're in as a church, help me to build them up. Help me to encourage them. Because times are going to get difficult. We know that to be true because the Bible tells us that. So pray. Love the brethren. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Paul charged them that, you know, to do this. It's greeting one another 
with a kiss was, was common practice in Paul's day. But it's still, you know, it's still common in, in a lot of Eastern countries today. But the emphasis is not so much here in the text on the kiss. Don't, don't lose sight of what's being said here. The emphasis is, uh, appears to be greeting one another in love and in holiness. Don't want to just kissing people. No, don't, don't, don't miss the, the wording here. A holy kiss. Okay? A pure kiss. One that doesn't involve any kind of sexual innuendo or anything like that. It's a holy kiss. It's, it's, it's a term of endearment. It's not the action that's there. Do you follow me? I mean, I, you can kiss somebody and your heart is not with them because you don't even pray for them. What's the point? So Paul wanted the, he, 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 his epistle, uh, he wanted his epistle read to all the holy brethren. I charge you before the Lord this epistle be read to all, not just the brethren, but what? Those who are set apart. The real believer. The holy brethren. That's who he wanted this read to. It, it was very important that it was read. The Lord wanted to encourage the, the Thessalonians in their newfound faith to encourage them to grow in their love for one another, which was their uh, as a, the book started out, was it was known f- through all the land that they loved one another. And they're rejoicing. He wanted them to rejoice even more than they were rejoicing. To pray even more than they were praying. To give thanks even more than they were giving thanks. And we should not underestimate the importance of the scriptures that, that what he's telling the Thessalonians to do, we shouldn't take this and miss this. We should be doing the same. The same things that they're being challenged with. Okay, so Paul ends this epistle with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now we need grace. And so it's a great way to close it. The, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, all of this has been a great venture through First Thessalonians. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do the things that you are challenging the Thessalonians to do. Lord, I pray you give us a love for one another, that you would give us a heart of rejoicing and a heart of thanksgiving so that it is heard about in other places, Lord Jesus. Not that we're doing those things to be seen, but we're doing those things because of you sanctifying us and making us holy. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. May we be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.